Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. Today, I'm joined by Mitch, or Balanced by Mitch, as he's known on Instagram. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about the about his experience as a coach, about what it's like as a male coach working with women, um, and all the things that he's learned over the course of his journey. But before we do that, um, Mitch, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you love, all of that good stuff. Thanks, Tara. Um, so, yes, as you mentioned, I am a coach based in Sydney, um, so primarily working with women uh, now, uh, which has been really good, um, primarily focusing on of strength coaching I do do a little bit of outdoor group classes as well um I started that this year just as a cardio option for my clients but also a lot of them wanted the opportunity to be able to train together because obviously with PT it's always one-on-one so it was nice to be able to give everyone that little bit of a community aspect too um and then outside of coaching I am a big foodie uh I really like cooking um that's one of my great joys in life and I kind of I look at cooking as a little bit of a creative outlet as well, something different. Um, really love reading. I'm a giant bookworm. Uh, and my other big one is kind of bushwalking. Um, so I absolutely like, love getting out in nature, uh, doing the bushwalks. Uh, and I think we, we are quite lucky in Sydney that there is quite a few around and it's always nice finding a lot of the different walks to do. So that's definitely something I really enjoy doing. Um, what are your favourite um, bushwalks in Sydney? Where are your go-to spots? Um, so this is going to be a really unique one. Uh, one of my favourites is actually based out in Hornsby. Uh, so I used to live in Hornsby for 10 years and there's a walk there called, uh, I think it's Blue Gum Loop. And I think what I used to really like about that one was when I lived there, I could walk to the start of that uh, track. It was like a 5K loop. But I felt like I kind of went from being in civilization one minute to completely disconnected the next minute. And I liked the fact that I could just so easily get up on kind of any given morning of a weekend and just want to go out for a bushwalk and away I went. Um, so that one has always been one of my faves. Uh, another one I really like is Cowans of Brooklyn. Um, so it's quite a long track. It's like a 14K one. Uh, but I think what I like about it, there's train station at either end. There's some really nice food options in Brooklyn um, and there's just some really nice scenes because you kind of walk into the River along the walk, so the views are quite stunning. Um, Brooklyn train station at the end is probably like one of the best train stations I've ever seen because it's on the water and I can't think oh, of nice. many train stations that are actually on the water, so it's just a really enjoyable walk. Yeah, no, I love that because, I mean, I'm Sydney-based as well and I don't hear a lot of people talking about Sydney I guess, like nature reserves. Or, I mean, when we think of Sydney nature, we're thinking more of, I guess, beaches and the national yeah. parks and stuff like that. Um, to be fair, the main, like, I guess, bushwalking stuff that I've done has been in Lane Cove kind of mm-hmm. area. Um, and then similar, I suppose, to what you were saying about Hornsby is 
you know, you're in civilization in the middle of Lane Cove and then all of a sudden you're trying yeah. to step on a snake. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I love that. And I love even what you were saying about cooking and being a creative outlet because I think um, as coaches a lot of the time we are so immersed in this sort of like health, fitness, lifestyle and world. It's very easy to sort of be so immersed in it that it's like, okay, just thinking about food as nutrition or just thinking about it as a way of sort of um, bettering our performance or our, you know, health or whatever, as opposed to it being like, well, what kind of flavors can I play with? Or like, how can I make this dish look really pretty? Or how can I serve it up to, um, you know, make my kids want to eat dinner or, or something like that? Um, it's definitely, it's cooking is definitely not a skill that I possess. I always say I can cook, but I wouldn't, I'm not a chef. It doesn't taste as good as I would like it to. <laughs> no, it is a lot of fun cooking. And I've got the good uh, counterbalance with my partner because she really loves pasta and noodles and all that type of stuff. So it's quite funny whenever we're like looking at a recipe, she'll look at me with a smile on her face and like, is there a way you can add noodles to that? <laughs> That's a very valid point, though, to be fair. That's a question yeah. I think we should all be asking when we look at recipes. <laughs> Can we add noodles? Can we add more carbs? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so how long have you been coaching for? Uh, full-time, just over two years now. Uh, kind of casual, probably four years. So I did start dabbling in this when I was working in corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of before this, I was an accountant for 12 years uh, and when I did kind of get to the point of realizing coaching was something I wanted to do I did start studying it and then kind of in the process I was quite fortunate where I was working we did have a studio space um, and in there there was I think they did like yoga classes or something Um, and after a rigorous risk assessment I actually got permission to run a hit class um, in there uh, which was a lot of fun so that was kind of like my first to coaching, so to speak, uh, running some lunchtime hit sessions in the office. Yeah. No, I love that. Were you always sort of, were you always into fitness? Were you always into the gym? Or how did that transition go from accountant to um, what was the pipeline there? <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess fun story behind it. Uh, no, I wasn't in, into fitness at all, and I barely even really stepped foot in a gym. Um, so when I, I did a lot of sport growing up and then kind of transitioning into accounting and adult life, stopped playing all sport, became quite sedentary and as a result, a lot of weight and kind of got to a point where I was probably not very healthy. Um, so it was something more in my later 20s that I actually started to take serious and I thought if I don't get on top of this before I'm 30, I'm going to have a really hard time. So I kind of made a conscious effort um then and probably as like most people do when you think improving your health you start going for runs um so that was something I did until I then kind of found a coach in the area that I'd often run past who did kind of outdoor boot camps um so I started joining some of his classes then moved into doing PT with him and that's kind of where the whole love of training came from um but also I can quite confidently say uh he uh the coach I had at the time was a huge inspiration for me getting started in doing all of this. Mm, I think it makes such a big difference, you know, how we are introduced to 
fitness or strength training or, or coaching and stuff like that. If you have, you know, a bad experience with a coach or with sport and stuff like that, like I know in talking to other people when they've grown up playing sport and they've had people that are like, oh, if you're not vomiting, you're not doing something properly or, you know, uh-huh. stuff like that. And like it creates a certain mindset around exercise that people then have to unlearn versus, you know, having a really great experience, discovering exercise, discovering movement, discovering, you know, strength training and all of that kind of stuff. It, I think, creates a smoother pathway for for you as a coach to be like, wow, this person is so inspiring. I would love to be inspiring like them as well. I think that's such a nice um, journey into coaching. Um, and so that was, you said roughly four, four years ago. No, so that journey all started, would have been back in like 2017. So what a good six years ago. Um, so it's kind of a couple of years of, of doing that and actually, I guess one improving my own health and kind of getting to a point where it's probably around when I turned 30, I kind of looked at it and thought, I'm not actually enjoying this whole corporate life. Um, I recognized that one, I didn't want to work in a large company anymore. I actually was more interested in going into business myself. And I was starting to think about, okay, well, what are the things that I enjoy doing? Uh, what would I actually like to do for as a business? And when I was in corporate, probably what I loved most about it was actually the coaching and mentoring side of things. So for years, I used to mentor all the finance graduates at the company I worked for. Um, when I had my own team, the kind of coaching and development was probably what I enjoyed doing the most and kind of watching my team members grow. So reflecting on that combined with kind of the journey I'd been on with my own health and fitness, I thought actually PT is a really good option in that it gives me the opportunity to have my own business and help people and do something I'm passionate about at the same time. Um, so that's kind of how that all came about. So I started doing my cert three and four while I was still working and studying and then just kind of looking at how I can actually make this a career and make it happen. Mm. I find it so interesting to talk to different coaches about, you know, why they went into the industry or yeah, or, or what their main, I guess, catalyst was. Cause I think for a lot of people, you know, people don't necessarily go straight from, high school or uni straight into coaching, often there is this sort of journey to get to this place of being a coach. But I know I did an episode a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, our strengths aren't necessarily one specific thing. And it's, it's about taking what your, or your purpose isn't necessarily one particular thing. Like it sounds like for you, it's not just you know, wanting to help people with their health and fitness, but it's, you know, wanting to mentor people and how how can you sort of be a mentor or educate people or use your communication skills or use your development skills um, and stuff like that. And then also combining that with a passion for fitness and health and all of that kind of stuff. It sounds like the perfect, I guess, mix really. 100%. I love that. And so when you did decide to make the jump to, well, not even making the jump to full-time, but when you did decide to start running those hit classes with your coworkers and, and at the workplace and stuff like that, yeah. 
that was obviously a niche, I guess, in itself, because you're working with the more sort of corporate type people doing, whether it's like morning or lunchtime sessions and doing those more boot camp style things where it's um, high intensity interval training in a short period of time because you've got all of these busy, uh, your clients are busy corporate working types. Has How has that niche, I guess, transitioned over time as you've gone into full-time work and had a bit more of a say, I guess, over your schedule and, and how often you're working and who you want to work with? So <clears throat> I think in some respects, a lot of my niche has remained similar. So I found for the most part, I do tend to work with a lot of people who work in corporate. Um, I think that's partly... And one, the area I live in, so I'm based in the inner city, so coaching kind of Erskineville and Waterloo. Um, mm-hmm. But also I think having that kind of relatable understanding, I've attracted a lot of people who have similar nature. Um, yeah. But I don't actually think I train any accountants. <laughs> no. Um, so tend to have a lot of people who I would say are like definitely high performers in their fields. Like even though they may not refer to themselves as high performers, I've got a lot of people who work in corporate um, I have a large number of PhDs, uh, which wasn't something I set out to do, but yeah, a lot of, uh, non-medical doctors. Um, so I think having that corporate experience though, has helped me relate to them and particularly yeah. when it comes to, I guess, the bigger side of their life. Cause one of the things I know from my own experience and often remind my clients is the training side of things is really small. Like most of them are probably in the gym, one, 2% of that entire week so I think having that understanding of what it's like having a full-time job and the demands of corporate and the stresses has helped me be a lot more relatable to my clients and a lot more realistic about kind of what the expectations are for them yeah no definitely I think having a degree of empathy that comes from actual personal experience is such a superpower in the coaching space being able to as you say relate to your clients and also communicate things in a way that they will understand because you've gone through the same, the same kinds of things, whether it's, you know, time management tips, whether it's, um, you know, working with, I guess, conditions that may be a common with people that do work in corporate. So like, you know, postural corrections and all of that kind of stuff, or um, even just stress management stuff as well I'm sure is a a big thing within people that work in very high flying corporate jobs as well and the amount of job interviews I've helped people prepare for (laughs) it's been like a nice little extension to my coaching exactly exactly who needs a business mentor when you've just got your personal trainer (laughs) I love that and so I guess my next question is what would you say you're most passionate about as, you know, a coach and mentor? So my big one here, and it's going to sound a little cliche, but I really can't go past it. I love seeing people achieve things they didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I reflect on my most rewarding experience as a coach, it's that smile that I see people have on their face when they do achieve something. And Probably one of the biggest ones that stands out to me, like I've had heaps of people hit different PBs, achieve huge goals, all that type of stuff. But one of my clients, she's had chronic back pain for a lot of her life. Um, and we spent a lot of time just building up her strength, building up form uh, and getting to the point where she could deadlift from the floor. 
Um, and I still remember the first time she was able to do a barbell deadlift from the floor, the smile on her face after the first rep, it, it was a year ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. That was just one of those genuine moments where it's like, I love this. Like I can see that I'm helping people and making a difference. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think that's one of the best parts I'm sure for a lot of coaches is yeah. Just seeing that smile, whether it's, you know, as you said, after a PB, after dealing with, you know, a particular injury or condition for their whole life and then no longer experiencing pain or being more mobile than they ever thought that they were going to, or even I think just watching them have different mindset shifts as well in relation to whether it's, you know, self-esteem, body image, self-worth, watching them feel, I guess, more confident from the gym and seeing how that then translates to other areas of their life. I know one of the things I always talk about is, you know, the, the strength and confidence that you gain in the gym. It's like, well, cool. If I can do a hundred kilo deadlift, like, sure, I can go ask for a promotion. Like <laughs> I can do anything. Yeah, exactly. And I guess another big one is actually getting people off diets. Um, yeah. Cause with all the nutrition study that I've done, that's probably been one of the big things is trying to encourage people to no, you don't need to diet. Actually, the majority of diets are going to be bad for you in the long run um, and just trying to encourage people to be a lot more balanced with their health. And that's kind of I guess, where the name of my business came from was yeah. more wanting to, to teach people that balance element of it and not trying to be, or not that fitness has to be extreme. Yeah. And that, I suppose, leads into my next question about how your coaching style has changed throughout your career, particularly in relation to you know, your work with female clients, because you met, you touched on then how, you know, this idea of diets or, yeah. or restriction or any of those kind of things that you've learned through your nutrition coaching um, don't work particularly. Um, what are, yeah, I guess, how has your coaching style changed and particularly in relation to female clients? Um, so I think the first thing I want to say here is kind of my approach with coaching is I'm always a student. Um, it's probably the first one because I feel like this is just one job or industry in particular where there is just so much to learn. Um, and I could probably spend every day studying and still not learn everything there is to learn because there's just so much out there. So that's one of the things I do love about it. And I think probably where I've had the biggest change throughout my coaching career so far is I've always come into this with such an open mindset when it comes to learning um, and to quote Kayla on this one, uh, it's okay to contradict yourself. It means you're growing. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I've lived by because I can confidently say my coaching style has changed a lot um, and a lot of my methodology has changed as well and just become more and more refined over time too. Um, and, yeah, probably the big one, like if I was to talk about my journey with coaching women and kind of how I've gone into specializing in this field yeah so to start with that wasn't on the cards at all like when I think of when I came into coaching I had a brief idea I was kind of I'm not gonna lie I was modeling myself off my first coach uh, who I trained under because I just thought he had this fantastic setup I really liked the way he ran his business how he coached people he is a really great coach and I thought I want to be just like Steve um, you know, that's kind of like, he was my, my role model coming in. Um, and he still had a huge influence on me, but I think as I've gone through, one of the things I probably noticed early on was 
I worked really well with a lot of my female clients. Um, I had similar in corporate, like a lot of the people I mentored were actually females. So I think that probably helped shape some of that as well. But I've always found I work really well with females. I seem to be able to communicate really well with them. I have a really good relationship. Um, and then kind of as I went through, I still wasn't even thinking about specialising in it because, to be honest, I didn't actually think, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, yeah. I was just focused on the clients I had. Yeah. And it wasn't until I came into the gym where I'm based out of now, uh, the manager of the gym kind of said to me one day, he's like, hey, I've, I noticed you have a lot of female clients. You work really well with them. Have you ever considered specialising in coaching women? And at the time I just thought, but I'm a man, I can't, how can I specialise in coaching women? Like I don't have that level of experience or understanding. Um, and he was probably the one who challenged my mindset at the time to say, no, I, I definitely think you can. There's no reason why you can't. And as I started talking to my clients about it um, and I asked them like, hey, how would you feel if I specialised in coaching women? Like if I went away and studied more on this, and they were all super excited. They're like, yes, please do find out everything you can. Um, we'll be happy to tell you all about our periods and how it's affecting us and all the rest of it. Um, and kind of away I went. And it's been probably for the last 18 months now, this huge learning curve of trying to learn everything I can. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how in the process I came to find AWPT, uh, which to be honest, I'm incredibly grateful for finding AWPT because the courses have been amazing um, and really helped me as a coach, had a significant impact on who I am as a coach as well. So I think there's just been such a knowledge shift there. And it's also, I think, broken down so many misconceptions I had previously as well. Um, and just being aware of the fact, and I think this is probably, in hindsight, it's not shocking, but it kind of was when I first found out about it, but how many of the coaching cues, nutrition studies, basically everything is designed towards a male or based on like a college age male. And I think knowing that and being able to now kind of change my approach based on what is actually relevant for a woman or what's more applicable for a woman, what's a better way to set up. Um, and as I've gone through implementing a lot of these changes, my clients have all noticed it um, and they've been really appreciative of it too because the amount of times, like just changing an exercise setup, for example, to better suit female anatomy, they straight away notice it and they're like, oh, this is actually so much more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And it just, I guess it got me thinking because earlier on in this conversation, we were talking about, I suppose, the value of personal experience in terms of being able to relate to clients when it came to, you know, your experience in corporate and your own health and fitness journey. And when it comes to, yeah, like relaying with clients, there's definitely benefit there of having firsthand experience. But in, you know, the instance of working with women and, and the differences in female anatomy versus male anatomy or physiology and all of that kind of stuff, there's nothing really that you can do about the fact that, you know, you don't have female anatomy or you don't, you know, experience a period and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, while you don't have necessarily that, first-hand experience I love that you know there are options for male coaches to be able to gain as much of an understanding as possible without you know having to experience things on a first-hand level but then equally too even as someone who 
does have female anatomy and all of that kind of stuff. There's so much stuff that I didn't know either. Um, and that, you know, the courses at AWPT, whether it was the, you know, eight week course, the female specific nutrition course, the biomechanics, all of that kind of stuff. I think in every kind of lecture that you do, regardless of if you're male or female, there's something that you're like, oh, I did not know that. I mean, sure, if you think about it, yeah, I would have bigger hips than a man, but I didn't know that that affect the way that I squat or, you know, all of that kind of stuff I think is amazing that it can bridge that gap if you've got firsthand experience or not. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think understanding the female biomechanics and anatomy has been a big one for me because one of the, I would say most common complaints I hear from my clients in the gym is this machine was designed for a man mm-hmm. uh, and I can't argue with them. Like I, <laughs> unfortunately they're right. The yeah. amount of equipment where it's just like, um, I don't know, one of the classic ones I think of like in our gym, we have a prone bench row. Um, yeah. That thing is so wide and it's clearly designed for kind of broad shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, I find it uncomfortable and I don't have boobs, so yeah. I can't imagine it's going to be all that comfortable for a woman being on it. So yeah. it's like so many of these little things I've noticed and how do I go and adapt the exercises I do for my female clients versus my male clients to make it more suitable for them? Yeah, 100%. And even, like, on a, I guess, nutrition side of things as well, as you said, so many of the studies that we have or get taught as trainers, whether it's, you know, in our cert three and cert four, or just the messaging that we've received throughout our whole lives are often based around, you know, male testing. And as you said, that like college age male, I was um, just on a meeting with Kayla and Amy just before this podcast. And we were talking about um, the Chris Hemsworth documentary or something that's come out. And he was talking about, you know, all the benefits of fasting Um, which obviously if you've done the female specific nutrition course or any of the AWPT courses, really, you know, that fasting is not that very, is not that beneficial for females from, you know, plethora of different reasons. Um, But it's just not part of the, I mean, it's definitely getting better, I think, but at the moment, it's not really part of the education that we receive at a base level as coaches is, you know, those nuances. No, I agreed. And I, I think one of the other things as well I've learned is so much of what women are taught when it comes to nutrition is typically just eat less. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's been one of the really interesting ones, kind of breaking that down for a lot of people um, or even just kind of giving more instruction around kind of what are the beneficial things to eat. Like one of the ones I still find is always a a fun conversation is the amount of people who show up to sessions and haven't eaten at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, no, please like have a banana, have a glass of orange juice, just have some carbs. Carbs are okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it'd be even interesting, I suppose, looking at with the, I guess, niche that you have as well in terms of that more corporate background, but then also specializing in women and combining those two I think it'd be really interesting to look into the psychology behind these sort of like high performing women in, or like these sort of career women that are potentially more, you know, type A and logical and, and um, ambitious and how that translates to how they view food and fitness and stuff like that. Cause I know 
in my experience, even the women that are in particularly high powered jobs are often the ones that are so time poor that they're skipping a lot of meals and they're like restricting their foods and all of that kind of stuff. And, but then equally too, they're potentially more open or interested in learning a lot of this education stuff as well because they can you know understand it and analyze it well and that's been the good thing so like a lot of my clients I found they're very receptive when it comes to the nutrition stuff they like learning a lot of the tips probably one of the big things has been trying to put it through the lens of that time poor what stuff they can do that's simple and kind of acknowledging that like a lot of them have picked up on kind of the meal prep thing and they'll try to prepare something for the week ahead but it's not like they're not going to sit there and do the crazy, I've gone and made like 40 meals for the week ahead and all that yeah. kind of stuff because at the same time they also they like to enjoy their weekends and I want to encourage that. So yeah. I'm always trying to look through the lens of like what are the really simple, practical things. So um, one of my clients, kind of her, one of her favourite things she's picked up is I passed on the study of uh, chocolate milk being a really good post-workout um, drink because it's got your protein, it's got your carbohydrates, she often goes and gets, I can't remember what the brand is. It's like a, a sport chocolate milk. But anyway, like it's actually pretty decent because it's 17 grams of protein. I think it's like 30 grams of carb. She'll bring that to a session and put it in the fridge. And she'll say, you know what? This is perfect because I can drink this on the drive home. And I know I've at least had something immediately after my session that's helping me recover. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, Taylor talks about it a lot in, you know, the art of coaching and stuff like that. And that really is the, the art of coaching is tailoring your approach to suit the client. Um, and we talk about this a lot within AWPT is like, it's all very well and good to, you know, talk to a, a void of gen pop clients and be like, yeah, you, sh- you need to train like five to six times a week and you need to do this and you need to hit this amount of protein and stuff like that. But if that's not going to work for the individual that you're trying to coach and their lifestyle and their, you know, dietary preferences or their, you know, time availability and stuff like that, then it's going to be talking to avoid and it's not going to, it's not going to do anything regardless of if in theory that would get them results. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the other things that you have learned or what are some of the other, I guess, golden nuggets that you have learned? Which courses have you done within AWPT? Just to So I've done female-specific nutrition, the biomechanics and programming, conscious coach, and quite a few of the workshops. I did parts of the actual like eight-week AWPT course, but because I'd already done female-specific nutrition and... I'd already done a pre and postnatal qualification. I didn't kind of go back and do all of it. Yeah. Um, Taylor said it kind of covered most things. Yeah. Um, what are some of the best ones I've learned? Um, like I said, the, the anatomy and biomechanics has definitely been a huge one. Um, I also think just the programming side there, Kayla covered like a lot of it around, I think the, uh, what did she talk about? Like training the shortened mid-length, um, length and range, all that type of stuff and how much you don't need to smash the same muscle group. I think I was definitely guilty of probably smashing the um, length and range of the glutes a lot over yeah. the week. So I've really rebalanced that in my programming. Um, on the nutrition side, probably 
interestingly enough, one of the ones I talk about the most with my clients has been adding salt in their luteal phase. I think yeah. it's definitely a really helpful one because it's just that's such an easy one to implement. Like just to be able to say to your clients, like, hey, when you're in this like phase of your cycle, just add some salt to your water when you work out. It's going to make a big difference. Or just add yeah. some extra salt to your food. It's those like really easy practical things that you can implement that start to make a difference with people. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's tons of us that I've implemented over time. Like I've, I've always tried to make the practice of when I have been in these courses, if I learn something in the week, how can I try to then implement yeah. that straight away? Because I find that implementation is the best way to cement the learning rather than kind of coming back at the end of the course and think, okay, what have I learned? How can I, you know, start implementing this. I just find it easier to implement as I go and start making the small changes. So I would say there's tons of things that I've done that have probably been like subtle changes I've made that I haven't even noticed anymore, but they've just become part of daily practice. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as you said, the implementation part and then, you know, the actual teaching of the information, you know, depending on how people learn best, I think that the taking the information and then relaying it to your clients or, or re-demonstrating it or teaching and explaining it to your clients is one of the best ways that you can cement the learning because it tests how well you actually understand <laughs> what yeah. you've just learned. Um, and probably the biggest things I've done kind of coming out of all of this is within, I say six weeks ago now, I actually ran a women's nutrition workshop um, is with some of my clients, they brought friends. I actually had quite a good attendance to it. Um, and that was really a summary of, I don't even know if you can summarize everything you learn in female-specific nutrition because it's massive and Amy's brain is huge. Um, but I tried to basically put together, you know, what do I think are some really relevant things in terms of just like top nutrients for women and just different things they can do to optimize their health. It was great to do. I was absolutely shitting myself preparing for it because that was probably the first moment like you know interacting with my clients it's fine like I've got a lot of confidence with them interacting with a whole bunch of new people and I'm there thinking shit I'm a guy I'm about to get up in front of a group of women and talk to them about women's health and I have no idea what it's like to have a period or anything like that I'm going to start explaining it to them um and I think doing that workshop it definitely helped me get through a lot of the imposter syndrome I was having because I realized through doing that, that everything I learned was really valid. Um, I was able to help people. I even had, so my current coach is female and I had her there listening and she was probably the person I was most intimidated presenting to because she's a very experienced coach. And when she came up to me afterwards and said, that was amazing, I learned so much from that. That was kind of a, a moment for me where it's like, okay, cool. I, I know things, like I'm, I'm more comfortable talking about this now and confident that I have value to add to women. Yeah, I love that because I think that is potentially something that might stop other male coaches or people in the male like males in this industry from, you know, wanting to learn more and wanting to work with more female clients. Which, when we think about the actual space in terms of clients, I think a lot of people that seek personal training are typically females in you know in comparison to men um and so there is such a a plethora of or there's so much potential for males or females to work with women um but I, I think a lot of the time 
men might feel this kind of imposter syndrome about working with women and about working or niching down in women's health um, and working with women specifically. Um, but I love that, you know, you've done all of this stuff to, to educate yourself and you're not, yeah, letting that sort of stop you. And I remember, I think Kayla and I did a, um, did a podcast slash live months ago when the women's biomechanics course came out. And I think you asked a question being like, how do I go about, you know, explaining certain concepts to people without, you know, mansplaining for want of a better word or something like that. Exact word. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think the answer that Kayla gave was literally that, that women are so receptive to wanting to learn about, you know, their anatomy and their body and like how to make things and optimize things for them. So I think women really respect and appreciate when male coaches or males in general go out of their way to understand the female experience and understand, you know, what they're going through. What would your advice be for other male coaches that might be experiencing that kind of initial imposter syndrome or wanting to specialize in women's health or, or training women, but don't know sort of where to start? Um, start with AWPT. That's number one. <laughs> um, so definitely educating yourself is a big one. Um, so I found just working through the courses, gaining that knowledge, um, even just things like the cycle, like I'm not going to lie, I had no idea there were four phases to menstrual cycle, things like that before. I had no idea that, you know, there were things like endometriosis and all that kind of thing, like things that actually impact yeah. us. Like, because you're not taught this stuff as a man or yeah. I think a lot of women aren't even taught this stuff. I was going to say, I don't even think a lot um, of women are taught that kind of stuff so, either. <laughs> like learning all those things was definitely a big part of it. Um, the other thing was I would say definitely have a lot of empathy towards your female clients. Talk to them about the fact that you are learning it. Are they open to talking about it? Because that's also where I've learned a lot through the process is just as I'm learning things, I'm talking to my clients about it and saying, hey, you know, this is what I've learned. How do you find this in your experience? And I've actually found they've been really happy to talk about it, but also there's been a lot of things where they've kind of come back and said, oh, I didn't know this or to the point of like, we're not taught about how our period works. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'm finding is a lot of women are like, and, you know, it's not like my mum would ever talk to me about this or, you know, you don't talk about it with your friends. So it's kind of, you just don't know. Um, yeah. So I think that was probably another thing that surprised me was for a lot of them, they actually found it quite informative being able to talk through it. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I think even the comment you made earlier about, you know, putting or increasing your salt intake during your luteal phase, like there's no way that we were taught any of that. Like maybe we were taught about having four different phases of the menstrual cycle, but even then, I think what everyone focuses on is just the actual bleed itself and, you know, whether or not you feel good or bad during that time. But like no one's taught about how you might feel around ovulation or when it comes to training, how, you know, the hormones affect your risk of injury or, or anything like that. And so I think for the most part, women and potentially men in general, like want to know about their body and are super open to talking about their body. And I know um, a lot of the women I work with, or even like the female friends that I have, like, 
are happy to talk about their experience and talk about themselves, but it's just, yeah, doing it in a place that feels safe and comfortable and creating that kind of environment is key. Yeah. And like, I even think one of the things that kind of then empowered my clients to do was all of a sudden they were comfortable to talk to me about where they were on their cycle and how it was impacting how they felt. So then, you know, not that I necessarily go and program around that cycle, but I'm able to adjust the session based on how they're feeling. I'll know when to push and when to pull and kind of what intensity to try to deliver the session at and things like that. So even for them to feel comfortable to talk to me about it and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling or this has happened, um, it's just made the sessions run a lot better as well. Definitely. And I think, you know, I'm sure too, even the more comfortable that you become with the topic and having those kind of discussions, you know, further facilitates how comfortable they are, you know, giving you more information. I know like back in high school, if we ever had, you know, male teachers, it was always really funny if you like needed to ask to go to the bathroom and they said no. And you're like, but so I got my period and immediately they would shut down and be like, yeah, sure. Just, just go. Uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, from the perspective of training, knowing that your male coach is just as comfortable and open to having those kind of conversations and isn't going to get weirded out about the topic of, you know, periods or or blood or bloating or your discomfort or cramps and stuff like that is going to make them be yeah more comfortable opening up about it rather than trying to be like oh I have really bad cramps today but I don't want to tell my male coach so I'm just going to like say that I don't feel well or and then like that serves nobody yeah I love that so I think that's probably an amazing place to to wrap up, did you have anything else that you wanted to add maybe about why you think it's important for male coaches to do courses like the ones that you've completed? I know we've touched on a lot today already. Yeah, look, I, I think the big one for a lot of men to do this is you're going to coach women and the more you can understand them and the more you can have that well-rounded knowledge base of how to coach women different to how you would coach men is really important. Um, and I think it's a key in probably the reality is you're going to train more women than you would men. So why wouldn't you focus on doing courses like this? Definitely. Yeah. As, as we said, I think there is a larger pool of women that are going to be seeking personal training. So if, you know, if that's the case, regardless of whether you're, you know, deciding to specialize in working with women, I think it's important to know who you're working with, regardless of if they're male or female and the different you know, the differences between those two. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and also find women are so much more receptive to coaching anyway. The gym bros like to think they know it all. <laughs> yes, that's also a fair and <laughs> valid point as well. <laughs> um, so Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the AWPT podcast today. I've absolutely loved this chat. I think it's going to open up, you know, the ears of so many different people, um, regardless if if you're a male or female coach, but if you just work with women in general, that's obviously what AWPT is all about. Thanks for having me on, Tara. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.